3: Hello and welcome to All Stats are we a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the first half against Wolves of the podcast, comfortable dominating possession and unlucky not to score. And I'm joined by the Robin Koch performance of the podcast, Tom Alderson, Ben Who, and finally the Calvin Phillips sloppy man bun of the podcast, the most effective finisher <laughs> for the opposition it's only Darren Driver. Darren, how are you?
2: I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, I'd love to be able to grow the Calvin Man Bun, but if my hair gets over about three inches, I look like with nail. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's, not, that's not a good look, you know, especially when you're a man of my age. <laughs> it feels like it's been a while since you've been on a podcast. It, it has. It's been, it's been too long, but it, it's meant that I've been able to listen to it, which, which, has, been, which has been good, because I, can, I can't listen to my own voice. That's, that's for the fuckers out there to listen to. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, it's good to have you back and um, nice for you to take up your duties at the bottom of the running order so that we can, um, yeah, don't feel like I'm insulting everyone else.
2: No, absolutely. It's nice to take the sick burns, you know, you're going to have to work a bit harder. Mm.
3: And Tom Alderson, how are you?
1: I I was good. Um, I'd recovered from last night and then I got a nice little notification from BBC Sports saying that Calvin Phillips is out for six weeks. Um, so I don't feel as good as I, I did, but um, no, I'm, I felt fairly okay about the match last night so yeah not too bad
3: mm. yeah we were all quite buoyant until that news dropped about 10 minutes ago um so yeah if we we're a little bit under the weather um in terms of our attitude we're we're always so bubbly and 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 happy so <laughs> if you need any excuse excuse for uh why we're not quite so uh, positive as we always are um then put it down to the news just dropping We'll get onto that later on. I think it's probably the best way of doing that because we are here to talk about the Wolves game last night, and it's, it's a weird game. I think it feels um, it feels like people are reading into this way more than they did any other game. Um, I suppose that's because the other game that we lost was against Liverpool, um, and I suppose people feel as though we should have won this one. So there's a there's um, a certain level of negativity in the air at the moment.
1: Um, Tom, how did that feel for you? I was personally quite annoyed last night when when the game finished. Um and then sort of took time to look back on it and I was like, oh, well, Wolves Wolves finished 7th last year. We were in the championship. We dominated them in the first half. Even if we didn't create much. So, it's it's a good performance really. Um and this time last year we'd have loved it if we'd have just had that. But yeah, it was it's disappointing to lose in that way when they didn't they were better in the second half, but they didn't again like it was in the first half. They didn't really create many clear cut opportunities, so it's it's d- disappointing. But there there are positives that can be taken from it.
2: I think you could look at it, and on the face of it, you could say that there, that there were similarities with a lot of the games that we had in the championship last year. So, and and that kind of similarities, a, a team was set up to to sit deep to defend their eighteen yard box, um and and to to break quickly and try nick and a goal um at, at certain times but i think i think the difference between between last night and the, the games we had in the championship last year is that this is Wolves' tactical plan this is what they do all the time whereas a lot of the teams in the championship they were doing that as a specific reaction to the way that we play um, and so obviously they they're that much better they've got high much um higher level of player And and therefore, it was much more difficult for us to create clear-cut chances. But so, overall, you know, I I agree with Tom. Wolves are a good side and they're good at at what they do. Um, And um, I I don't think you can come away too downhearted. I I just think Wolves did a bit of a number on us, really. It's a really hard
3: game to analyse, I think, um, because whenever you have games like this, you always sort of do that, I guess internal ledgering in your head where you sort of toss up chances that we've created versus chances that they've created and it's very easy to just sort of view that in the abstract but um we talk about game state a lot on this podcast and this was I think this was very much a game state sort of game really right we 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 sort of dominated didn't didn't really create as much in in the first half um then Wolves came out the beginning of the second half with a little bit more um I think they were just pushing forward a little bit more um i've been I've watched the game in parts probably about three or four times now because I'm trying to make the video for the video analysis for Patreon. It's really tough trying to get anything tactical out of it and and the the difference between the first and second half is just really hard hard to really get to. I think wolves just sort of pushed forward a little bit more um It was as simple as that yeah,
2: they were just a bit more proactive and and I think they decided at the start of the second half that they were going to have a go for twenty minutes. Mm. Um, and and that's you know that's kind of what Connor Cody was talking about when he talked about game management, wasn't it? That they were going to come out, they were going to have a go uh, for for a little spell, and if they got a goal, they were going to defend it with their lives, and if not, they would probably sit back and take the nil nil quite happily.
3: Yeah, in the second half, the only other thing I really noticed that happened is that they started playing it down our right hand side a little bit more. Um, yeah, <clears throat> that's just simply via the pass maps, uh, but we'll get onto that in a, in a little while. Um, I did want to mention the we mentioned the XG because. Um, this did feel very um, standard XG um, uh, sort of battle from last season. Um, we mentioned on the on the Twitter feed that Leeds Leeds beat Wolves per XG. So it was, I think, StatsBomb had it 1.6 to 0.5 in our favour um but we did mention that the, the post shot xg as well so i just wanted to mention that now post shot xg is simply a, a different way of ranking um chance quality and rather than using the location and the c- context of a shot it actually just takes the shot after it's been hit and then works out the chance of the, that that would have gone in or not and um wolves put up 2.1 x uh, post shot xg which means after the after the shots had been hit because they were so, there were some accurate shots. Uh, Melier had to pull off a couple of saves here and there. Um, Wolves probably would have scored about 2.1 goals, um, given the shots that they had. Whereas for us, he put up 1.6 xg we only put up 0.6 post shot xg so essentially we took the good chances that we had and we made them worse and wolves took the the chances that they had and made them much better um yeah and that's sort of what it comes down to now we can get into debates about finishing quality and innate talent such as finishing is, is finishing even a skill whatever um it's not really that interesting. I don't think talking about um, either of these two numbers really outside of a um, outside of a bigger sample size. But um, that's that's the story of what happened yesterday. We didn't take our chances, and they did. Uh, and that will happen in the Premier League. That's what Premier League sides do. They have a lot of of elite sides. Um, Let's talk about the first half and the second half then, um, because obviously the first half was was really nice, um, interesting formation shift. Really, I mean, and we know that we were playing the 4-1, 4-1 roughly, but we yeah. um, we basically came out as a four-four-two. Um, uh, so Rodrigo essentially played as a second striker, and um, Phillips and, and Click sort of fitted in the midfield. And Phillips obviously sat a little bit deeper in uh, in possession just to help out with the build-up, um, but out of possession, they they sort of matched up with the two central midfielders from, from Wolves. So that was um, quite interesting. I thought we have not really seen anything like that because we've not really played against a 4-3, 3-4-3 before, I don't think. Um, there was a question from Joshua Mentlach who said, does our midfield disappear? Our, our formation seems to just vacate the middle and we all up line up down the sides.
1: Tom, any thoughts on that? I thought um, with the way that Wolves were defending, when the one thing i noticed was when the um the ball was on one wing the winger on the other the other Wolves winger would like slot in to make like a midfield free um which made it quite easy for us to sort of bypass their front free and then get it to one of the full backs and i think that's what it kind of it made um ailing and yeah but more ailing than dallas in the first half um looked like they had a lot of space on the ball and they could be uh, really attacking um i'm not sure how the wolves changed that in the second half to be honest i think they probably just tried attacked more um and it just gave it meant that we couldn't do do that as much but yeah we were going to the wings uh, because the natural out ball for the centre backs was to go to the full backs Absolutely,
2: if you've got a team that are going to sit deep and defend centrally, then then it stands to log- logical reason that the that the spaces and availability of the ball is going to be down the sides. And I, I do think we we do empty the midfield at times, and I, I think that in the second half yesterday it did feel like there were times when when the centre halves didn't have a natural or easy pass on um, because because the midfield had emptied. And I, I think that. Um, I think in the second half, it was a symptom of Wolves pushing up further and, and putting us under more pressure um, at times, particularly in that first 20 minutes. But in the first half, it was just because that's where the space was. Yeah, I think that that's what
3: Bielsa wants us to do. I, I think he yeah. forces the ball into the wide areas. I mean, we know that Calvin Phillips is basically there on his own in the build-up and his his job is just to facilitate the movement of the ball down those wide areas through the full-backs. Um, yeah and Mateus click I've, I again I've, got, I've been looking at some clips of this um <clears throat> when he when we are in possession he basically just pushes up alongside the the strikers or helps out in the in the, with the with the wide uh, attackers as well yeah. um so we we basically I mean it's I I think it's positional play really it's it's just sort of trying to get as many of your players into dangerous positions um when when you when you're in possession of the ball try and get your players into the gaps between the defenders so <clears throat> in that situation with, uh, with a back three like Wolves have, you've got your two strikers, they're already looking at two of the holes and then you want to get one of your wide players uh, on the one side and then you want to get probably one of your um, <clears throat> central midfielders in the other one. <clears throat> and that's what was happening. We were just seeing yeah. Leeds sort of line up on the last uh, man in the Wolves back uh, back back well back five, it, it works out being right. And um, the, the, the job yeah. is to get the ball into wide areas, play it across the box and hopefully you'll find one of those three channels, um, or f- sorry, four channels between the, the Wolves' centre-back. So I, th- I just think it's, um I think that's what we do.
2: Yeah, but I think it's symptomatic of personnel as well, because I think when, when Rodrigo and, and um, Clicker are in there together, that their tendency is to bomb forward. But when Pablo came on uh, in the second half, I, I found that he was dropping deeper more often and picking the ball up from the defenders in more central areas. Mm. So I, th- I think it is also dependent on, on who happens to be on sure. the pitch at any given moment. I
1: think with, with that as well, there was um click was dropping deep quite a bit to pick up the ball. And with Rodrigo playing as a second mm-hmm. striker, there actually wasn't, before Pablo came on, like Darren said, there just wasn't anyone in the midfield uh, because Phillips was dropping deep as well. So the only outball yeah. was to the, to the wings.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you have the amount of dominance of possession that we had in the first half, it's absolutely fine. I mean, the reason we look so dangerous in the first half for me is because Wolves just... Look to absorb pressure, and yeah. I think that gives us a false sense of quite how dominant we were. When you look at the fact that actually after I think the first half we probably only put up about naught point point uh, four xg, you know that's that's a really not a good uh, return on investment in in the amount of possession that we had. Um, so yeah I think it's it's very easy to look at that first half and just say oh have we not come away with anything we've absolutely dominated they didn't have anything when they will probably have, have decided right we come out we sit deep for the first half and then we'll come out in the second half and because I think they will have looked at the 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 data and seen that Leeds Leeds are obviously fit for the whole game they they'll they'll have yeah. quite a good latency into the second half so I think they've just they've just um isolated those first 20 minutes of the or at least however long it was in the second half, where they have been like, we're going to go for it in that, we're going to conserve our energy and go for it in that um, period and we'll see what we can do with it. And then as soon as that happened, um, the goal happened, sorry, they then just sat back and and did what they did in the first half again, gave away a few chances, but nothing really that um, was was that dangerous. Um, Yeah. Let's just... So we had loads of questions about the second half and and subs and stuff like that. Um, So let's just pick a few at random. We had so many questions. Thank you for the questions. Uh, As we said on the Twitter account, it's always good to have uh, the questions, but... Um, let's go with well let's just so Daniel Moroney said I think Phillips and Ailing were poor in the build-up in the second half at least do you stats back this up and was it anything Wolves did tactically that caused this now, I've tried to look at the stats for this but I can't break the the game down by halves so I couldn't see the stats one half versus the other um, but again I think that's what we've talked about here that you can either look at that situation as Leeds causing Wolves problems in the first half or Wolves just sitting back and absorbing pressure um, and then as soon as Wolves came out in the second half actually caused a little bit more problem for for Leeds in the build-up. Um, I think they did target Ailing in the second half. I think if you look at the video, Raul Jimenez does sort of um, drift out to Ailing's side of the pitch and I'm sure that's because they've seen that ailing is really important for us in terms of progression and so I think they probably um, they decided to go down that side a little bit more um, but also they they were just a little bit more expansive and they, they just took up a, a slightly more advanced position and that just means that Leeds were going to struggle a bit more from the in the build-up phase.
2: Absolutely and I think I remember saying in, in, the, in the pre-season podcast about Phillips that he was going to learn some hard lessons in possession in the Premier League this year and I think the first five games have really played that out that that at spells during every game he's struggled to to kind of get his passes off and he's been surrounded by players and I think that Wolves' starting position in the the first 20 minutes of that second half or whatever it was up until the point they scored was that much more advanced and and, and did put him under a lot more pressure. I think after Wolves scored it was very much more like it was in the first half so they sat sat deeper and we had much more kind of easy possession up until that final third is is how I saw it anyway.
3: Yeah, me too. We had a few questions about Um, Again, a lot of these questions, I think if you view them in the context of what we've been saying as uh, a shift in in the on the part of Wolves, it does change the way you look at them. So Richard Lang says, why did Rodrigo playing as a second striker seem to work in the first half but not in the second half when we kept losing the ball in the attacking midfield area and seemed unable to link the play in the final third? Um, Matt Robinson says also in the second half, we seem to be playing more direct over the top. Was this the result of the Wolves' press or a change by us? Um, And yeah, I think, again, both of these are the result of that. Of that change, that that wolves just sort of came out a little bit more, and it just uh, slightly upset the the dominance that we that we had.
2: I mean, it has to be said they they really showed their quality at that at that point when they came out. They 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 looked really dangerous for that first twenty minutes. I thought, and and you know, could have had us in some real trouble. Um, and i think I think they have to be given a lot of credit and and, and i 've seen you know on Twitter a number of people criticizing our our players and stuff and and yeah, sure there were some performances in there that that weren 't amazing in the second half, but wolves are a really good side and they and they they came out and they gave us a lot of problems through their own quality as much as anything else and also
3: sitting deep is. A skill too. You know, yes. The, the reason why wolves are so good is because they're so good at sitting deep, and Nuno's got them so well drilled that they can absorb all of the pressure for 45 minutes, and then and then result in it result in sort of less than half a goal xg. It's that's just that's just what they do do well.
1: Yeah, we've seen us play uh, quite direct a lot in the Championship last year Um, when teams do sit deep in the hope that we can sort of catch them out, give them less time to get back Um, because as we saw last night, if a team does get back, we just can't, we we do struggle. So yeah, I think that was, that probably was um, that we decided to go more direct more than out of necessity.
2: Yeah and I think it's interesting Tom you say that when when teams sit behind the ball we struggle I think every team struggles yeah when 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 there's a packed defence in that way I don't think that's unique to us I think um you know just about any team in the world like man city really struggle with that as well and they've got some of the most elite players around
3: yeah, it's an interesting conundrum, isn't it? Because I think you can be you can be too good at football in the sense that um, when you are as good as Manchester City are, when you're as good as we were in the Championship last season, the only option people have is to sit deep and just frustrate yeah. the opposition. And yeah, that's fine when you're when you're Man City. You got players like Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva and Sergio Aguero, players like that who can actually whatever people use the, what's the phrase people use pick the lock or something but yeah. we we don't we don't really have that we don't really I mean and pa- Pablo is great um, but you know Pablo was doing that in the championship last season and now we're talking about a, 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 a Wolves defence who've been playing that system for years now they, they've got um, an extra man in coverage anyway it's just it's just really brutal trying to get anything out of that and again we're going to talk about we're going to talk about crosses later on and it's as though you know the, the issue here isn't simply that Wolves have like three big centre-backs who are just clearing everything up. Like what what is it that you're supposed to do? If you don't have the, the sort of individual who can break down a, a defence easily, if you don't have a striker who's just booming in headers like Dominic Calvo Lewin is at the moment you you do have a lot of problems and that's sort of where it falls down for Leeds is we we don't really have that um, well the player that we do have who has that guile is 35 years old and is coming back from a recurrent injury so I think everything has to be viewed in those in those terms really Um, one final question uh, before we move on to looking at like the attack and the defense in particular Um, a lot of people talked about subs Uh, so Mighty White's pub said was this one of the rare chances of Bielsa getting something wrong after 10 minutes of the second half you could see the change in the game and we had lost our dominance another 20 minutes until a change Nathaniel said should we have switched things up sooner players looked knackered just before their goal London White said should Rodrigo have been subbed earlier looked like he was gassed about 55 minutes in and was failing to press slash track back and brawling ate the pie said Hernandez on after 60 discuss um How do we feel about this? Would subs have changed things, Tom?
1: Um, You could kind of see when Wolves started to attack, we did lose control and we did need an extra presence in midfield. I don't know if it was necessarily that we needed a sub because I just had a quick look at the subs then and it would have probably been either Roberts on for Rodrigo if you wanted to keep it the same. Um, But we've said previously that we're not too keen on Roberts like that. So it's then Shackleton who... Has hasn't really played that much, uh. But then you again you lose that second striker, so we're struggling with crosses anyway. Um, and then you're going to take off one of the strikers effectively. It just seems a bit, bit um, doesn't seem the greatest idea to me. Uh, but yeah, Rodrigo Rodrigo did look tired. Um, so that that might have been a, a factor. Um, I don't know. It is difficult uh, to say with that. He did. I, I liked the Pervader substitution because I thought uh Costa was had sort of been taken out the game and it felt there was more threat once Paveda came on
2: i don't know I, I think people always say that players look tired when when other teams are on top i think that's just yep. a kind of default position that people go to and I, that's not how i observed it at all i think i think my suspicion is that rodrigo was was um was not tracking back quite as much perhaps trying to provide an out ball maybe i don't know but but i i without kind of yeah, I, I, it's not something I noticed particularly. I, I, don't, I don't think the team looks tired. They looked like they had been dragged around by mm. by a team who were on top and playing really well at that moment in time is, is kind of how I saw it. But Pablo on after 60 was, was the right move, I thought, I felt.
3: Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because, like, however... I mean, people saying subs earlier simply just saying we wanted something to change and nothing changed, yeah. right? And on the one hand... I can agree that you would you would have a case for Bielsa maybe being a bit slow changing things up if the system wasn't working but I don't think the system wasn't working I think the you know the, we we've already talked about the the sort of principles of Bielsa's setup so against a 3-4-3 four, three, four, three, he's going to play a 4-4-2 four, four, now yeah. you can argue that you can get better or worse personnel in the midfield areas um you can argue that hernandez Guile might have been slightly better at this point but at the same time like if you really want if we really wanted to change up that system what we needed was a little bit more steel in midfield and yeah. the only way we're going to do that is by having a midfielder that we can bring on and we don't we don't yeah. have the sort of midfielder that you would want to change that kind of game and and so the it, i find it i find it funny because i feel like anyone who is saying well we should have subbed things earlier to change things up they're probably the same people who are saying we've had a great transfer window, even though we haven't got an eight. And this is, I think, this is why we've been so um, vocal on this channel, just saying that we don't feel as though the squad setup is um, is 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 good enough. And forget about the fact that we've just lost all of our centre backs and Phillips in yeah. quick succession. That's just unlucky. I, I get that. Now, if you're going to sign someone like Urente, sure, maybe that's more likely to happen. I don't know. But when it comes to wanting to actually make a, cha- a game-changing substitution, at the moment, the only option we have is bringing on wingers. And that's what we do. We're like, well, this winger isn't working, so maybe if we bring on another winger, it will work. Um, and that's, that's I think, simply down to the, the lack of depth in the squad. There's nothing you can do about that.
2: Well, it's down to lack of depth in one specific area of mm, the squad. Sure. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I guess from, from there, like I, w- I would totally agree. Sure, if you feel as though things aren't going so well, um, bring on a, a midfielder. But I, I think, you know, bringing on Hernandez, whilst I can see why people might want that, I don't think that Hernandez would have stopped anything that was happening that was the issue. That I think he would maybe have been more slightly more creative. He might have slightly helped us maintain possession a little bit more. Yeah. But Like in terms of what we're talking about, like what what do we think that he would have would have been able to do ten minutes earlier that he, he didn't? And no, I think part of the problem here is that as soon as we bring him on, Wolves are now a player a goal up, and so they're sitting back, and so it's very yeah. easy to equate that substitution with well, Hernandez is on now and everything's fine again. But I think so much of that was simply to do with the game state. So I, I think. Uh, I'm not look I, I don't know maybe if we'd have changed things up earlier it would have changed things maybe it would have been better I mean if we'd have brought on someone else for I don't know um, Calvin Phillips and he wouldn't have headed the ball in right that's just the reality of, of counterfactual <laughs> so we could we could talk about this all day long but um, I just I just want I want to hear more from people about what they think was going wrong and what they think the substitution would have what, what difference that would have made had they done it
2: that's a very very long winded way of saying you wish for shoulders. that
3: but everyone knows that, right? So I've got to I've got to <laughs> make it more interesting than simply that. But yeah, I think you know someone like someone like Forshaw would, would probably be good. Someone like Rodrigo yeah. De Paul would obviously be be great for a, a, a game like that where you've got two central midfield. I mean, and we've talked about it already. We we already have a thin midfield. We we don't fill the middle with with bodies. And when you if you look at the the setup yesterday, you have Calvin Phillips sitting deeper to help the possession, and then click covering everywhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, you need you need to, even even if click and click is a brilliant um player obviously but e- even if even if click was brilliant for the first half you just expect there to be a, the option of bringing someone else on because he would have been exhausted covering all that area um so yeah for me it's for me this is more an issue of squad depth and um you know <clears throat> what can what can we do we fe- we the the cuisance thing fell through at the end had that not happened I would have been you know, we'd have had an option off the bench there where yeah. I genuinely think, yeah, you know, Bielsa, if he brought Cuisance on, then it might be an interesting, you know, drop, maybe drop Calvin Phillips back, bring on Cuisance and have maybe a slightly more advanced midfield too. Um, and, and, and try and um, stymie them at, at the root. Cause I think part of the problem is, is that um, with our midfield too, we were, they were just rather than being horizontal and face onto the, the Wolves side, they were, they were vertical, they were vertical. and yeah. it just, yeah. it's quite easy to play through. Now, yeah, sure. Do that with 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 and, and click, but I just don't think that you can do that with like one click and uh, Hernandez or two click and Phillips, really. But um, let's move on because um, I'm getting a bit ranty here. I think.
2: <laughs> so I just want to say I did mean to say that I thought that Hernandez should have been brought on at the point he was brought on, not earlier. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Si- yeah. I think 60 minutes.
3: The goal was uh, 70 was, minutes, wasn't it? So yeah, he was brought on t- just after the goal, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure.
2: Okay. Yeah.
3: Right. Let's talk about something good. Let's talk about Robin Koch. we had loads of questions about Koch obviously. Um, Paul Thomas says, is Koch as good as he looks? Uh, Matt Keeganswood said, not sure if I've missed the boat with this pod, but either way, here goes, Koch looks good and looks to be getting better game by game. Do you think we have missed white? What do the stats show? Now, again, I think it's too early really to look at the stats. Um, I think after about 10 games we'll have a much uh, better sense of this, but um, I think hands up from me here, I'm still critical of of, of various aspects of Koch, but he really looks to have filled the, the slot that Ben white has left behind um he's doing a lot of the things that we wondered whether or not he could do them very well yeah. um particularly i think his his progressive passing yesterday was remarkably good um again it, it's going to be hard to judge just how good he is um given the the first half i think he looked brilliant in the first half i think he looked fine in the second half too but um he looked i think maybe looked better than he will do in other games because he was given so much space but
2: but i think that would also be true of ben white sure yeah yeah
3: um, and I think there's a really big question here about how important the system is to to these players. Now that's that's got nothing to do with whether or not Cock is as good as he looks, because I think that the important thing is that he is in our system and he works in our system. Um, and in that sense, they've they've obviously pulled off a blinder here. Um, and to which, you know, hand, hands up, that's a, a really good call on their part. Um, just for just one more thing for me is that. And this is what I've always said: is that I I always view Robin Koch as a confidence player. Um, I think he's a proactive player, um, and he would, he worked really well, I thought, with stroke And he would also work well with Cooper because um, Koch is the the proactive one, and I would say um, the the other two are more reactive uh, players. Um, my only worry is that. You know he can at times sort of jump in. He he's one of these players. Like I mentioned Kiko Casier yesterday. Um, I also mentioned Jordan Pickford. Is that you know when players are going through a bit of a tough time, pro- proactive players can often do this thing where they try to be too proactive. They think that the solution to things is to is to jump into things or to run and try and punch a ball and actually create worse situations and we've seen that with Robin Koch in the um, Fulham game when he gave away that penalty um, I guess that's I think he's also a confidence player so if he continues playing like this it's going to be great I just maybe have a little bit of a worry that if there, if we do have a bit of a slump if we are playing a few games where we're sort of under the cosh a little bit defensively um, we might see some of the wor- that worst side of him that that I saw a few times when I, I watched him playing at Freiburg but that's um, that's unfair of me really to talk about the, the, the negative aspects because I think we should really celebrate Koch so Tom how did you feel about Cork yesterday?
1: Um, I thought he did well. Um, I don't think we have missed Matt White because, like you said, he's been able to do those things. Um, he's like the sort of switch; he's able to switch the ball, or pass it out, and there were times yesterday when he was um, dribbling out with the ball as well, um, which is always really helpful because if we go all the way back to Jansen, um that was something that Jansen did and then normally lost the ball and then there was a chance yeah. chance come from it, but White and Cock have shown that they um, they can both do that and that, that really does help us in the build up.
3: Darren, you're a, a lover of centre backs.
1: Yeah, uh, I was I was
2: impressed with him last night. Just very much in the context of him playing uh, a similar role to Ben White played last mm. year in a, in a similar kind of game to the ones that Ben White shone in last year. Um, and I, I I was really impressed with the way. he used the ball. I was impressed with how quickly he moved the ball. There was no kind of dilly-dallying around and it, you know to g- again to go back to to the to the days of Pontus Janssen when he'd stand on the edge of his own 18-yard box with his foot on top of the ball. Um there was none of that. It was it was kind of moving the ball quickly and tr- and trying to trying to get the build happening. Um I thought defensively that he didn't have much m- many individual battles to win, but the ones that he did have, he did win. Um, mm. And and I thought that was really impressive. Um, so yeah, basically, I I, I I was I was really impressed with him last night, and, and on top of him being very impressive against City too. Yeah, the real question is though,
3: what happens if you throw a brick at him? And I don't think <laughs> we, I don't think we've had a, a decent answer to that question yet. So we're, we're we'll wait. He's got see. he's got he's got nice hair, so he
2: would probably duck. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's true. Let's talk about the the goal that was conceded. Um, Gabriel Dujac. Um, of this parish says sterling and Jimenez goal were they similar um I don't I, I included this question because I don't really think they are that similar at all in terms of what the goals actually look like but I do think there is a, a question of and and this is a situation we got into a few times right when when you when the man marking press is beaten and you're and the opponent is running at the defenders it it, it seems as though um the the Leeds defenders don't really respond particularly or they don't know how to respond all the time. There was a get there was a moment in the game yesterday actually where Koch and and Calvin Phillips were both standing off a player and one of them was pointing at the other and the other was pointing at the the other to sort of go and close them them down. And I think in in those areas we do look quite um, vulnerable. And I think that's where one the Pedence shot that Melier saved came from. It was in one of those similar yeah. situations where. Um, Koch got isolated one on one with with Pedence and it was just a case of him playing the ball around him and being more mobile. Um obviously the um the Jimenez goal was was Jimenez just running along our back line and then faking to shoot and cutting back onto his leg. Now we can talk about the deflection all we want, but at the same time that's the sort of situation that we do we do struggle with. That was the what happened with the Sterling goal, right? He 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 ended up getting the ball and running out the defense and um he he sold cooper quite easily um so thoughts on that the the similarities at least in terms of the style of of the two goals darren
2: yeah individual skill breaking the breaking the man marking is always going to cause us problems in that sort of system it looks to me that that what what we try to do once that because it's one thing if that happens on halfway and then and then you know usually what will happen is that that the team will swarm around the ball and kind of and, and win it back but uh, it, when it happens around around our area like it's done like it did a few times against City like it did a few times last night it looks to me that what we try and do is we try and put as many bodies between the ball and the goal as we can and try and reduce the XG by kind of making sure that there, there are blockers there and, that, and that's actually directly where that goal came from isn't it yeah. that, that Phillips was trying to put that block in so I, d- I do see I do see yeah very much a similarity but I think that's always going to be an inherent problem mm. um, and, and something that I'm sure will come up against time and time again when, when we come up, up against teams that have got really tricky wide and, and forward players.
3: Yeah, there was, a, there was the potence chance as well at the beginning of the first half right? sorry, the end of the first half right at the yeah. end where he hits it straight at Melier uh, and that was another situation where if you look at it back there's about five players in between him and the goal. Now, it doesn't mean to say it isn't a good chance, but Leeds, obviously, they, 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 they sort of swarm back to the the center of the goal, right? You do the man-marking system as much as you can until you get to a point where you're just like, the best thing for me to do here is just try and stop stop this from going in. And we're seeing that Leeds are putting up a lot of blocks and probably maybe gaming the XG models a little bit because everything that counts as an okay chance is getting blocks on it as well. Yeah. So um, that makes a big difference as well. Um, I did want to say as well. We had a question from Cameron Hyde about the man marking system. It might be worth talking about as well, because I think maybe plays into what what Wolves were trying to do as well when they were breaking us down a little bit more. Because I noticed that Willie Bolly was um, was pushing forward a little bit more. We know that we're vulnerable, right? When when you can get your your man marking system out of whack, if you've got three centre backs against two attackers in the in the forward press then if you can get one of those attackers um, yeah. push, pushing past those two strikers then someone else has to cover and then you start creating inferiorities elsewhere in, in the system so um, so Karen, Cameron Hyde said man marking defensive system seems to be a confusion slash lack of intent from players when we're in transition allowing a lot of free space to get um, uh, to run or get a shot away happened a couple of times led to the goal but also in previous games um, Phillips did it against Ericsson too thoughts now we, we've talked about this I think what is really important to talk about when you're talking about the man-marking system is what it allows you to do elsewhere um, yeah. because the man-marking system isn't... I don't think it's... Uh, it's. I don't think Bielsa wants us to mark man-to-man because he thinks it's the best defensive system. I think he wants us to mark man-to-man because I think it's the best system through which to respond to after you've been attacking in the way that he attacks, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've talked already about how the midfield looks really empty when we go forward and that's because we... um we create these situations where we try and overload the opposition boxes and and when we 're in possession, we go down the wide areas, so we kind of think vacate the middle, fill out the wide areas, and then get everyone in on, on the last line of defense and try and find them um, and the, and I think the man marking system is just the response to that is because the easiest way to get back into a, some sort of structure is to have an awareness of where your man is, and if you can then find your man then then you can um, sort out the the, the obvious weaknesses there and the pressing the high pressing then is just a response to that it just allows you more time to get into those um, pressing systems so um, I, I, I think when people if people complain about the man marking defensive system they have to be aware that they're also criticizing the attacking system as well if you don't want us to mark in that way then you Going to have to change the way that we attack a little bit as well. If that makes sense,
2: absolutely. And and what we know about all people that watch English football is that the hate zonal marking inherently, anyway. So <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm not sure what the alternative is. Maybe, maybe I think Bielsa thinks of man marking as as, as the least worst defensive system yeah. rather than the best.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I think I would agree with that. Right. Let's talk about the attacking side of things. We've already talked. Basically, this breaks down into two areas. One is Patrick Bamford, uh, and the other one is Rodrigo. And uh, well, maybe three areas. We'll talk about crossing as well. But um, do you think the do you think the fan base are jumping on the two strikers pretty quickly? Considering this is the first game, they haven't really uh, done enough, as it were. Tom.
1: Yes, I think (laughs) (laughs) to put put it politely, like Bamford's been really good. Until last night, and I don't really think it was his fault. Um, what was it? Was it ten crosses successful from forty? Um, and we play what Willie Bolly, Cody, and uh, was it Kilman the the other one? They're all well. I don't know too much about Kilman, but Cody and uh, Bolly are good defenders. Wolves have the numbers in the box. Um, I have seen in the championship that this this game doesn't just doesn't well these these games don't suit Bamford. Um, so. He looked, he looked good um, against City and Liverpool. So i no, he's not. It's not the time to drop Bamford and play Rodrigo up front or Tyler Roberts or whoever you want to put up there. He's just he's
3: Ryan Edmondson. Ryan Edmondson. Edmondson. <laughs> so that's I could not think of his name. You got there
1: before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was. It was definitely more. The crosses were our our main failing more than um, poor poor um, strike, but poor from the strikers.
2: I, I thought Connor Cody was absolutely magnificent last night. So for for, for for everything you say about Bamford, I think you have to put it in the context, as as Tom says, of, of an excellent defensive performance. Not just an excellent defensive setup, but also the individuals within it performing really well.
3: I think one thing to say maybe is when teams sit back and defend deep, <clears throat> um, you change the the context within which a striker is operating and we've talked yeah. about this a lot right we talk about how Bamford is a front foot striker and he likes to run onto the ball but there's also a sense in which you know if you're waiting for crosses to come in and you're being man-marked by um, centre-backs from the opposition you're, you're in a completely different like if you could have someone like Mitrovic in that situation he's going to thrive on it because he's a big guy he's strong he can hold them off he can get to balls that they can't get to but that's not what Patrick Bamford is is or is about and I think he's he's When it comes to being largely static in the box, he's a lot easier to defend than he is when he's moving. Um, The whole of Leeds' system is based around movement as well. So as soon as a team sits deep, allows them space elsewhere, and then just... Cuts off any sort of spaces between lines and leads lose their edge massively um, as well, and I think that should be said too. So when when you're thinking about Bamford after a game like that, you just got to think, well, did he really? Did he miss anything that he shouldn't have shouldn't have missed? Well, I, I can't really think of anything really. No, no not last night. Um, Cody did well to get back onto that jack harrison's sort of volley across the box um he had a sort of swipe early on in the game i can't really think of much else that that he he had the header which was offside and you know if 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 someone else is playing him on that's us one nil up it's i I think he was largely fine um which i guess then brings us to um let's talk about rodrigo yeah so nickel Fake says did rodrigo starting miss a bit of the advanced midfield link through the centre and for all of our first half dominance why did we struggle to create clear cut chances feels like we've been reverting a little to needing a few clear chances to test a keeper Um, so I think we've touched on the difficulties of creating chances in in that kind of game but um yeah Darren what did you think of of Rodrigo and and, and playing in that slightly more advanced role
2: I thought he was as good as anyone in the first half I thought he, he moved the ball quickly he he looked for space he he tried to do all the all the right things I I, I think the only reason we weren't able to create any chances is is, is what we've already covered is that, that Wolves defended their 18 yard uh, 18 yard box you know really got got numbers in there made sure that 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 when when we got the ball wide, that the, they were able to pick up all of our players. We don't have a, a striker who makes runs which demand balls to be put into certain areas. Um, and, you know, I think... It, it's just symptomatic of 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 the kind of game that that we were playing in. But I th- I thought Rodrigo was absolutely fine uh, in the, mm. in in that game. He's, you know, it, unless you're expecting, unless your expectation is that he's individually going to dance around seven men who were all stood on the edge of the box, which is not a realistic expectation, then I I think you've got to say that he played well.
3: Let's talk about the crossing. Obviously, everyone was going on about the crossing because I think we all have
2: PTSD
3: from um, the Wigan game at the end <laughs> of uh, seventeen eighteen. Is that the right season? Yeah, uh, no. Um, 1890. No, 18, 1890, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got so much PTSD, I've managed to er- erase the <laughs> stack, a complete season <laughs> from my history. A few questions about this. Rich Priestley says, do you think that we are we are at our best when we break lines towards the middle as well as out wide? The second half reminded me of numerous games against Wigan. There we are. Cross after cross after cross. Perhaps easy to defend against if you know what to expect. Um, and then Thomas Hallam says, 39 balls went into the box and people talk about a lack of quality in the final third. To what extent is the delivery poor versus our forwards not attacking the ball? All 39 crosses can't be bad.
1: I think it, cr- crossing... Obviously, we've shown that it can be effective, but there was a lot of times last night where we were just taking too long to get the cross in, um, and this kind of falls into the the Patrick Bamford front being like a front-footed striker. If Jack Harrison is going to spend fifteen minutes deciding whether he wants to cross or pass it back to Stuart Dallas, then the ball players are going to get back and the cross can go in, but you're just not giving one. It's not likely to get to a striker, and two, you just if the ball's taking that long to come in, how's the striker supposed to time a run? um so it's just it's just difficult i think it's the quicker you can get the um the ball in we've shown in the past the the better we are
2: i i thought harrison was much better in the first half than other people are giving him credit for personally i i thought that he did put a number my memory is and i haven't watched the the, the game back in uh, uh, in any great detail but my memory is that he put a number of dangerous balls into the box in the first half which which were you know then not that which we didn't have the numbers or the size or the the, the right positioning of the strikers to do mm. anything with it um but I thought I thought, it, I thought they, the the crossing was noticeably worse in the second half um and I think that really colors people's perceptions
3: I think it's also important to remember as well that you know we we sort of go on to the, we have these sort of moratoriums as soon as something happens as soon as a yeah. result goes the wrong way right we're like well what went wrong um there must be something that went wrong and it's probably a player which player played the worst therefore it's this is the issue, and I think you know. Had we had we got a penalty um, in the first half as we could have done, um, would have changed the game, and you know we would probably be having a different conversation now. So I think it's, yeah. it's it's important, I think, to sort of think about these things in so much as um, a, a group of games rather than individual games. Um, I think it's important not to throw out the copybook immediately as soon as, as things go badly. Absolutely. And one thing I would say is you know. the the, all of this crossing stuff like it comes down to the fact that it's easier to cross into a less populated box and um wolves came out for the first 20 minutes 25 minutes of the second half where they were more advanced and they put us under more pressure now that is the situation where we should be being more dangerous and in those moments we weren't more dangerous we weren't able to maintain possession we weren't able to play through their press and and for me that's You know, you can say what you like about us being dominant in the first half when they were absorbing pressure, but when they were... More um, expansive when they were giving us more space to work with, we didn't cause them any problems. And for me, that's more of an issue here than than the situation when they're then a goal up, they're then s- sitting back in the box, and we're just pinging crosses in, and we can't do anything with it. It's um, it's and that's for me, that's the same situation that happened against Wigan, right? When against Wigan, we gave away two goals against ten men, I believe. Is it ten? Oh, maybe yeah, one goal yeah, against no, ten men, but um. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, you you lose the right really to to complain about teams sitting back when you haven't taken the opportunities that they've given you to actually go ahead as well. So I think there's an element of that here too. Um, Wolves, when they did go forward, didn't really ship many chances from us. And in fact, it was only once they were a goal up then that we started causing them more problems because they were sitting back and absorbing again. Yeah. So, um that's 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 the big issue for me,
2: I think you're right, and i think there's 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 not only a tendency to to look for um whose fault it was and and what happened and which player shall we blame but also what does it mean Hmm. so like does it mean now that rodrigo's shite because because he had one relatively quiet game against the team sat deep does it mean that calvin phillips isn't as good as we thought he was because he had a a points in the game where he struggled and i i I think you know like i always talk about trying to trying to be mindful about it and trying to think about like okay well actually all it means is that, that that we had this one game where these things happened mm. and they happened for specific reasons, um, and that it, that it doesn't actually mean anything about any yeah. individual in the squad or, or about the team. Bielsa. It doesn't mean that we're worse than Wolves or like whatever.
3: Absolutely, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have gone either way. We could have been having a completely different conversation today, depending on very, very small margins of error. Absolutely. Like, for example, I, I'm i not someone who really goes against refereeing decisions, but I just think that the, the Costa decision was just clearly a, a foul. It should have been a penalty. And if yeah. that goes in, it's just a completely different. Game and yeah, maybe we would have lost three one. I don't know, but um, you know that 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 was the difference between us going one nil up and it staying nil nil. Um, you you can't beat yourselves up and your team up over over one result like that. Um, let's move on let's move on to positives Um well, I think we've already sort of moved on to positives there but we had a question from Kov White and I think this is quite a nice thing we should probably do this in, in every t- game that we lose this season but Kov White yeah. says what are your th- top three positives from a Leeds point of view from that defeat Minar Koch was brilliant Hernandez is back and loved the creative team changer centre back off for Hernandez at the end uh, and the last 15 minutes we were back on top I think that's technically four positives but um, yeah. we'll let you off Kov White. so um, Tom, have you got three positives?
1: Yeah, I think Cock um, will be one. I'll throw Strike in there as well. Um, I think mm. he looked good again. Um, so it's to the point now where if Cooper, well, when Cooper is inevitably injured, <laughs> then um, I wouldn't. We're being positive, Tom. <laughs> Cooper will be back on Friday, though. It'll be all good. <laughs> but if 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 it does happen again, then um, I wouldn't worry about Strike uh, playing. Um, so. I have probably got two there. Third one, yes, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's good to, good to have Hernandez back as well because um, we do we do miss him. Probably not as much as I thought we would have done um, in these games. But probably because the results and I'm um, forgetting how we played. So yeah, I'll go with yeah, Hernandez Cox, stroke as my three positives.
2: You're not going to be surprised to hear that one. Of <laughs> I've positives. saved you this one. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Tom.
1: Uh, is
2: is uh, Melier. uh I thought I thought his the the two saves that he made. While neither of them were as spectacular as the kind of saves that he made against sheffield united what i d- what I did think it made me think of um something I said actually <laughs> it made me think of him being the kind of keeper that will that will by and large save the things you expect him to save and I thought both of the saves last night were good saves, but but there were ones where I thought you know he's kind of he 's going to get those nine times out of ten, and i th- I thought he dealt with th- those things very well mm-hmm. um, and my other two. Positives would be, Click's first half performance because I thought I thought he was really really good. He was every you know he, he really was everywhere, and um, I think the other <coughs> I'm struggling to pick between Strike and and Cock for for the for the third one. I thought they they were both you know very positive um, and and gave really good performances. And I hope I hope Strikes fit for Friday because I think that that you know he he's he could be really important over the next few weeks in one one role or another
3: yeah so my three are the first thing I've got actually is set pieces I thought we were a bit more interesting from corners and free kicks yesterday yeah 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 I don't know if we've got a new coaching you know, or if we've been working with someone but um, particularly the the Harrison chances that we created where he hung back on the edge of the D and we, we managed to move their blockers and give him a couple of chances where he could either get a shot away or, or play the ball back in I quite like that um I'll go with Robin Koch as well. I think it was, it was nice to see him looking like he'd been playing for us for years. And then I've got um, creating a positive xG differential against a very good side. I think you know it's not to be sniffed at. Even even though we talk about the game state, um, yeah. they had to rely on a, a fluke goal in, in order to get the win. And so um, I think that's as uh, as good a, a, an aspect of the game yesterday as any. So thank you, Kov White, for making us focus on positives. I think that's. Uh, A good way of doing that.
2: Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, Calvin.
3: Having said that, right, we've got a few (laughs) negatives. Well, (laughs) we've got a negative to talk about, which is the Calvin Phillips injury, which has just been uh, announced before we came on air. Um, Let's have a look. So Johnny Bradbon says, "Who will replace Phillips if he's injured?" (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, 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 looked like he did his collarbone. Also, one if not the worst performances of Phillips under Bielsa. And Russell says, "Would love to know Phillips' overall game tonight seemed pretty poor, and quite a few misplaced passes, and maybe something on corners and crosses that seemed ropey as well." And that was from Russell. So, KP to be or not to be? How was? How did we feel about KP? I
1: thought KP did all right. I was yeah. I, I, when I was watching the game, I was I actually thought he'd, I would? Wouldn't say play well, but you see the Wolves seemed to sit off him a bit. Um, which he had a lot of space and he just was dictating the player especially in the first half as you'd yeah. expect so I think it's very I think people have been very harsh at him and to say even says that his worst performance under Bielsa then uh, no because he stayed on the pitch he didn't get red carded <laughs> or subbed after 20 minutes.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Forest red card where he jumps in like on the edge of their box that's Easily <laughs> his worst performance. It's a
2: beautiful old-school tackle, that. It's never a red card. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, I've I, i I've literally gone through on my scout and watched all of his game involvements, and I'm a little bit bemused as to why people seem to think he was awful. There's, there's maybe the, there's the chance at the end where he loses the ball to Neves, and Neves has two blocked shots. That's in, like, the 93rd minute or something.
1: He's injured at that point as well, to be fair to him. Yeah,
3: no, of course, yeah. Um, so... Pff. I don't know. I didn't really see much wrong with what he did. He played overplayed a few passes, but he lost the ball a couple of times. But like, he's he's a central defensive midfielder. Like, it's what is going to happen. Um, so yeah, I didn't think it was the worst thing and uh, worst performance in the world.
2: I just think he wasn't noticeably very good, and I think that's just the key difference, really.
3: Yeah, and and I think as well because they were so passive.
2: Yeah. Um, in the first half, you just saw you saw Robin
3: Koch doing a lot of the. It's very easy to judge players, isn't it, by what they do. And yeah. I've said this before, it's so hard to analyse because like 90% of what good footballers do is off the ball. And Robin Koch had a great game yesterday because he did a lot of things on the ball that were very obviously good. Um, yeah. And, and it's, I'm glad that you both mentioned um, Pascal Strauch because... A lot of what he does is good is just off the ball stuff. It's just neat and tidy, quiet stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas you've obviously Robin Koch doing a bit more pinging the ball around and stuff like that. And Phillips didn't really yeah. have to do that because Koch was doing it. So I think that's partly it as well.
2: Yeah, I think the thought's just occurring to me that obviously if we're playing more of a four four two, that probably means that Phillips is slightly more advanced than where he would normally be in the yeah. in, in traditional 4-4-1, which means that Cock can carry the ball out that little bit further yeah. and take up some of that role. That just stands to reason, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, I'm sure that's what his team instructions were as well. Um, yeah. Right. Let's uh, one more question. Then uh, we all talk. Lee says, should a number eight star midfielder have been a priority in the transfer window? Looking at it from this point in time, I would say probably yes. I, I guess you two would agree with me.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would. I would agree.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'd also definitely agree with that. Or <laughs> a, <laughs> I'm going to shock you and say a fit Adam Forshaw as well. A fit Adam Forshaw. Yeah. Well, it wasn't
2: me that said hot. it. So. <laughs> there
3: we are. Right, looking forwards. Uh, obviously, we've got Villa on Friday, um, a game which is going to look not very nice given the injury issues that we have and the fact that Villa is just steaming up the table at the moment. Um, Are they top unbeaten? Yeah. No, because I think they've played one uh, fewer game. Right, because yeah. they I think they were supposed to play either United or City at the beginning of the season. That game hasn't been played, so it means that um, yeah, it means that they're twelve points from twelve. Uh, but I think Everton are on 13 because they've won far, four drawn one so yeah they they could go first when they play their uh, missing game um, I've been watching a lot of Villa I don't know what to think of them um, but I will make my mind up in the next few days and um, I will have some kind of Villa um, tactics preview out sorry it's been a, it's a hectic week this week um, I'm in the process of trying to do a um, a tactics um, video analysis of the Wolves game which is proving difficult because there's not really a huge amount to say um, but that will be out in the next few days as well we're also recording our preview podcast tomorrow morning um, so make sure well I, I could say make sure you listen to this if you've, if you've got this far you've already listened but um, plenty of stuff coming up there's no under 23 things until the 26th of October we've got a game against Norwich um, and yeah only the only other thing to say is that if you do like our content and you want more of it although I can't imagine anyone being in that position right now because uh, we don't really have time to breathe without having more content to, <laughs> to have a look at but we do have a Patreon account where, where we do put up those video analyses and we put up bonus uh, podcasts as well I've recorded um, uh, an hour long conversation with David Sumpter, a mathematician who's written, who has worked with clubs like Barcelona and uh, Ajax and, well clubs all, all around the world he works um, for Hammerby in, in Sweden which is where he's based at the University of Uppsala really interesting guy, he's just written a book about the 10 equations that um, let me just, I've got the book here, the 10 equations that rule the world and how you can use them too. It's a really, really interesting book, actually. I would be, um, I would recommend that you get your hands on a copy. We're, that's going to go out on our Patreon account this week. So if that interests you, head over there. Three people who've done that recently are Louis D- Del Vier, Andy Daly and Andrew Bagchi. So thank you guys for joining us. And all that's left for me to do is to say thank you, Tom.
1: Thank you very much.
3: And thank you, Darren. Thank you. And we're all off for a big old cry, I think. Um, but hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully we'll have a team out on Friday.
2: 11 fit people will do.